What's up, everybody? This is TJ Reed, and you are listening to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. We are on a mission to help you develop consistency, a thriving career, and to find company for the journey as a leader. Join us and leaders from over 300 cities around the world as we now dive into Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. I'm your host, TJ Reed, and I am excited to have with me today, Joel Hawbaker. Joel, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Excited to be here, TJ. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you, Joel. So uh, our listeners, uh, they've gotten a little bit of your bio already, but why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you here? Yeah, thank you. So I am um, uh, 37 years old, divorced and remarried, father of two teenage girls. And uh, in my day job, I've been a high school teacher for 14 years. I've been a soccer coach for 17, 18 years now, something like that. Ever since I stopped playing in college, um, I've been coaching soccer. So um, very familiar with uh, what it is to lead classrooms and to lead teams and to, to try to, you know, be the head of a family. And, um, and so a lot of those lessons that I've learned are things that I share in my leadership presentations. A lot of the examples I use come from the sports world or the family world or the classroom, those kinds of things. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, again, I'm excited to be chatting with you uh, this evening. So thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was looking at some of your stuff, Joel, you help young adults overcome obstacles and grow in th- three key areas. You gr- help them grow in courage, confidence, and humility. Mm-hmm. Um, could you just talk a little bit about why grow those three traits specifically for young adults? Yeah, certainly. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take them in reverse order. Yeah, um, absolutely. So humility, I think, is maybe one of the single greatest misunderstood concepts, um, and uh, especially within um, within Christian circles, but even in non-Christian circles as well. A lot of people think humility means um, deferring praise or pretending that you're not good at something, even if you know that you are, because we don't want to be mi- mistaken for being arrogant. Um, but I think C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he, he gives a great explanation of humility. If you look it up in a dictionary, it's completely unhelpful. Most of the dictionary definitions of humility say the quality of being humble. Yeah. Well, that's, that's useless. <laughs> that tells me nothing. That, I tell my high school kids, you can't use the word you're defining in the definition. That doesn't tell us anything. Right. So C.S. Lewis tells us humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less often. Hmm. And that's great. It's putting the needs of others in front of your own. That's what humility is. And I, I would uh, argue again that that is one of, uh, that's one of the greatest things that leaders can do. But it's something that a lot of times we don't really think about because we become worried that if we're putting other people in front of ourselves, we're not going to get noticed or recognized, mm, yeah. uh, which is it's understandable. But again, so that's where some of the confidence and the courage come in because you've, you've got to have enough confidence in yourself to where you don't have to brag, but you also – you're not shying away from the spotlight when it does shine on you. So it's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Um, confidence is just knowing what you're good at, right? If someone says to Michael Jordan, were you a good athlete? And he goes, no, not really. That's not humility. That's just lying. You know, that's dumb. Right. right? If someone goes to, to LeBron James and says, are you a good basketball player? Well, I mean, I'm okay. That's as, he, as he jumps over you and dunks. That, that's exactly right. Probably backwards, <laughs> you know, like two-hand reverse dunking or something. No, that's not – that's not it. Confidence is just being able to say, yes, I've been gifted in this area. Yeah. So you take those two ideas, confidence and humility, and they sound like a paradox, but they're really not. You put them together and what you have is this idea that what you should be doing is taking the gifts you've been given and using them to serve other people, yeah. right? 
And it, the thing is, in order to do that well, it takes courage because you have to have uh, you have to have the guts, right? C.S. Lewis calls it fortitude, one of the the um, the four cardinal virtues of the ancient world. Uh, I'm a history teacher, so I like to bring up that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, he calls it fortitude, right? He calls it guts. Um, that's a great uh, a great term for it. You have to be willing to fail because there are sometimes when you're not going to get it right as a leader and you have to be willing to deal with the inevitable criticism that comes with being a leader, no matter who you're in charge of or what you're in charge of, whatever you do, someone else thinks they know how to do it better than you do. And they're going to tell you that. Um, I've got a good buddy here in Alabama who's a football coach and he says the one thing every, there's two things every guy in Alabama thinks they can do better than everybody else, grill a steak and coach football. (laughs) <laughs> right? And I'm not even a football guy. I never played or I'm probably one of the two guys in the whole state that never played organized football in my whole life. But I get where he's coming from. If you're yeah. a coach, every parent in the stands think they know better than you do. Yeah. And if you're a teacher, a lot of the kids think they know better than you do. Yeah. So no matter what your leadership is, you have to be willing to deal with the inevitable criticism that's going to come your way. It takes courage to be a leader. It takes confidence to be a leader. It also takes humility to be a great leader because you've got to be willing to put the needs of other people in front of, uh, in front of your own needs. So that's, that's why I focus on those three traits. I like that. I, I'm reminded of uh, a quote by Simon Sinek in the book, Leaders Eat Last. He's, he says that yes. leadership is the courage to put others' needs ahead of your own and like yeah. choosing that with every step of leadership you take and stuff. Yeah. He, yeah, he does great stuff. I, I like a lot of his work. So I'm thinking back to myself as a young adult or even as a teenager. Um, how do you teach confidence without arrogance? Like how do you help young adults to like really channel that? Because man, I was so full of myself as, oh, a, man, as a right? teenager and stuff. I was, so. I absolutely, I'm a hundred percent with you. I knew that I was the smartest person that I'd ever met yeah. when I was a teenager. I'm not sure what's <laughs> happened since then that I, I don't think that anymore, but um, one of the big things, and again, you'll notice a pattern here. A lot of uh, what comes out is a, um, a quoting of people like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, because those are two of my favorite authors. Sure. Um, in the same book, in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis tells us that pride or, or arrogance is always competitive. It's inherently competitive. Pride is not being happy that you have money. Pride right. is being happy to make sure that I have more money than you. And that's the distinction that I help young adults try to understand. It's not a bad thing for me to know. I'm a good soccer coach. I I played the game for years and I've coached the game for half my life now. I know that I know the game. I'm pretty good at that. And if you notice what I'm not doing is I'm not comparing myself. I'm not, I'm better coach than this guy. I'm a better coach than this lady. I'm a better coach. Mm. No, it's not about that. If, If someone says to me, do you know the game of soccer? An honest answer is to say, yes, I do. That's confidence. Yeah. If someone says, do you know the game of soccer? And I go, man, what kind of stupid question is that? Well, now that's arrogance. You know what right. I mean? And, yeah. and so that's kind of the line that I try to help young adults see because there is a line and it's kind of vaguely defined, but really it's a question of, are you, are you being honest or are you inherently being competitive? Are you trying to make yourself look better by comparing yourself to others or are you just answering the question? And yeah, so I'm realizing, I'm realizing as you're that. saying that, that, uh, that's that's still a temptation. The older you get, too, is like hundred percent. Yeah, you're trying to just put elevate yourself ahead of others or get yeah, it's noticed a, more and stuff. It's a natural human tendency. Uh, you know, one of the um, one of the key parts of being human, unfortunately, is this competitive nature. Now, it comes out in different ways, but ultimately, at some level, we all struggle with wanting to put ourselves above other other people. That's why we have to learn the golden rule when we're a kid, treat others the way you want to be treated, right? Yeah. Because our inherent, our, 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 our default is to treat people 
badly because it makes us look better and we have to learn how to be better than that. We have to learn how to do differently than that. Right. And so again, just like you mentioned, um, you don't outgrow that temptation to be right. arrogant. You don't outgrow the desire to put yourself above others. It's just something you've got to constantly revisit and say, wait a minute, let me take a step back and, and try to reevaluate. Hmm. How, do, how do you make sure you like for you as a leader, like how do you make sure uh, that you don't end up in those places? Are there certain boundaries you put in your life, people you talk to that help you to kind of keep a safeguard on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So a big part of the, again, part of the reason I teach courage as a key aspect of leadership is because you have to, you have to be willing to hear criticism and you have to be willing to accept criticism. And so you want to have some kind of accountability. Um, I noticed when, when we were talking, you've got a wedding ring on. If anybody that's listening is married, you've got an accountability partner to some degree. Like, you know what I mean? Not necessarily for, for every single thing, but yeah, you've got a, you've got a built in accountability partner who needs to have the freedom to lovingly correct you or lovingly call you out. That's, that's a, that's a big part of marriage, right? Um, and we mentioned, I know we were talking ahead of time. You mentioned that you and your, uh, your wife have been involved in different kinds of, uh, ministry or teaching situations. Anyone who's ever been a teacher knows kids love few things better than correcting their teacher. Oh yeah. I've got a classroom of accountability partners when it comes to making sure I have my facts straight in history. Cause if I get anything wrong, I got five kids who go, well, actually, you yep. know, those kids. Um, but yeah, so as a leader, you've got to. Uh, whether it's systems in place or whether it's someone who is close to you that is willing to do that. So like when I'm coaching soccer, rarely do I coach by myself. I almost always have an assistant at practice, at games, at both, at film sessions, whatever, um, because I can't see everything I need to see. I'm only one set of eyeballs. Sure. And so my assistants need to have the freedom to come to me and say, you know, Joel, actually this thing we were looking at, I know that you said this, but what if it's this other thing? I know that you said we want to attack this way, but in this situation, it's like, oh, you know what? That's a really good point. Some of the greatest coaching decisions that I've gotten credit for weren't me. They were my assistants. Yeah. I I got the credit because I was the head coach, right? Now, if they go poorly, I get the blame because I'm the head coach. That's a key. That's a key part of the leadership too, is accepting responsibility, even, even if it wasn't necessarily you. Yep. You know, but yeah, you've got to have, you've got to have some of that accountability in place where when your head starts getting a little bit too swollen, somebody can come to you and give you a little, you know, a little pin prick and just <laughs> kind of remind you that you're maybe not everything that you think that you are. And that's okay. That's a, it's not fun, but it is a, yeah. a key part of being human. Yeah. I'll, I'll weep for a couple of minutes, but then usually pick myself back up and be grateful for that. They said it to me. Right. One of the, one of the major lessons I've learned that comes along with that is, um, and this is again, where some of the humility comes into it is, are we willing as leaders, not just to accept criticism from people we like? Do we have enough self-awareness to step back and evaluate the accuracy of criticism that comes Mm. from someone we don't like? Because just because we don't like them doesn't mean they're wrong. Yeah. And so we have to be, again, we've got to have enough humility to say, that wasn't very fun. The way that you said that to me, I didn't really enjoy, (laughs) but you know what? You're right. You're right. Uh, And so that's, um, I've learned that lesson. I mentioned that I'm divorced and remarried. I got divorced about 10 years ago and there have been a few different times when either my ex-wife or my wife or one of my two daughters has come to me and said, Hey dad, this thing, or Hey Joel, this thing. And it's not really fun to hear criticism from anybody. It's definitely not fun to hear criticism from, um, 
my, my wife because I love her. And so we don't, you know, that's just not fun, but right. she's gentle and I appreciate that. It's not fun to hear criticism from my ex-wife. It's not fun to hear criticism from my kids, but I have to be willing to say, you know what? You're right. I have to be willing to hear the truth in it. Otherwise, again, that's, that's just pride getting in the way. Yeah. I, I, uh, people that have listened to vitamin lead before uh, the genesis of vitamin lead was my wife coming to me uh, and saying, Hey, listen, like you've gotten quite boring in the last year. Like you're not, you're not reading a lot of things like you used to. You're not, uh, you're just not growing. And so I just want to challenge you with that. And I know it was tough for her to say, and it was really hard for me to hear, hear that, but I'm so grateful that she did because yeah. uh, it really made a big turnaround in my life as a result of that. Good. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a, um, that is not something to be taken for granted. I, I've had to have a, a couple of similar uh, or similarly unfun moments where my wife has come to me and told me a hard truth. Yeah. Um, that's, that's actually the, the title of one of the chapters in my book about leadership is hard truths. You know, these are things that every leader needs to hear. Mm. And it's not fun for anybody. But again, I'm, I'm glad that my wife loves me enough to come to me and say, hey, listen, honey, this thing that you're doing, that's not what needs to, that. That's not the right way to do it. And it hurts me to have to tell you this, but you need to hear this. Yeah. And again, I appreciate that she's gentle about it. I also appreciate that she loves me enough to tell me things that I don't want to hear. Yeah. Because that's like you said, that that's how we grow. That's how we get better when we don't realize what we're doing is wrong. We need someone who cares enough about us to come to us and say, hey, listen. And it's nice when it's someone who loves you. It's nice when it's someone who will do it gently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a blessing <laughs> because it could be someone who doesn't like you and is very glad to point out all of your flaws. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, they, that's less fun. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. What, what, what's the title? Uh, where did it kind of come out of? Let, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, sure. Thank you for asking. The, so the title of it is Inverted Leadership, Lead Others Better by Forgetting About Yourself. And uh, I wrote it a couple of years ago, and the idea was I had started doing some speaking, and, and I uh, you know, traveled around a little bit, done a couple speaking gigs, and as much as I love doing that, as much as I love being in a classroom, the question was how can we get this message out to more people? Because the sure. book itself is all about uh, gospel-centered, others-centered leadership, right? Yeah. Servant leadership is the idea. And the question was how can we get this out to more people? And so I thought, well, write a book. Okay, well, my problem with that is I have a 45-minute 45 45 minute commute each direction to where I teach every day. Okay. And I was also coaching soccer. And again, I got two kids. And, and so it was hard to find the time to do it. So what I ended up doing was actually outlining it on three-by-five cards and speaking it out loud into a tape recorder as I was driving to and from school for about oh, two nice. or three months. Yeah, and then on, I come commitment. home. Well, it, you know, it's one of those things where I've read a bunch of books about, about leadership and about, you know, time management and whatever. And there's a, there's a lot of people who will tell you, if you really want to do something, you will find a way to make it happen. Yeah. If you don't, you weren't that interested. Yeah. And that's not fun to hear, but it was very, I wanted to get this book done. And the only, I had an hour and a half a day where I had to be behind a steering wheel. So how can we make that work? Yeah. So I tape the three by five card to my steering wheel and I'm driving down the road and I'll glance down and I glance up and I glance down. And it was, it was literally a, like an old 1980s newspaper reporter double a battery powered miniature cassette recorder that belonged to my father nice and that was what i recorded this thing on i'd come <laughs> home and my wife would type it up or i'd type it up and that became the rough draft and um That's but yeah cool. it, it was it was fun there's a lot of there's a, a lot of the stories in there from the history classes that i teach there's parts in there about uh queen elizabeth the first of england and napoleon bonaparte because they're two of my favorite historical figures to teach and to study 
And um, why is that? Let's talk about those two real quick. Sure. So in it's, I'm glad you asked because they're fun. Um, <laughs> I would argue that those are two very different leaders because okay. everybody in the world has heard of Napoleon, whether you realize it or not. If you look historically at the people in history who have had the most written about them, number one is Jesus. Number sure. two is Napoleon Bonaparte. Hmm. Right. And people don't realize it, but he is that kind of well-known in every country in the world. He accidentally sort of spread nationalism all over Europe and the rest of the world. And, but the thing is, the truth is he wasn't a successful leader. He was exiled twice. Hmm. Not even that many people get exiled once. He was exiled twice, okay? That's not good. But he was incredibly impactful. After he had been exiled the first time, yeah. he escaped from the island of Elba, came back into France. He's going towards Paris to overthrow the king. The king sends out an army. He walks out in front of this army, and he opens his coat to them, and he says, I'm your emperor. If any of you has the guts to kill your emperor, do it. And instead, they came over to his side and like cheered him into Paris and threw the king back. Like, that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, what kind of impact? So in the book, what I talk about is Napoleon was an impactful leader. He wasn't successful, but he was impactful. With Elizabeth, I argue the opposite. See, she was queen of England for the better part of half a century. She was queen of England during a lot of the religious warfare that took place in Europe. She was a Protestant. And she was the leader of a Protestant country when the rest of Europe, except for the Netherlands, was very, very Catholic. She survived like two dozen assassination attempts. Her army or her navy fought off the Spanish Armada in 1588, the, the biggest armada you know, the world had maybe ever seen at that point. Like, she was awesome. Hmm. But most people don't actually know much about her. Yeah, I don't, people, I, I don't have a clue. Most people haven't heard about her. And so she was a very successful leader. But her impact on the people that followed her, I would argue, was probably less than that of Napoleon. Hmm. And so the question that I pose at the end of that chapter is, which do you want to be? Do you want to be successful? Do you want to be impactful? Because you need to know because it's going to shape your decision making. Sure. So like as, as a soccer coach, do I want to focus on being successful and winning games and trophies? Or do I want to focus on being impactful and shaping the lives of my players? Because those two things, while they're not mutually exclusive, sometimes they do come into conflict. Sure. That is, there are some decisions I could make that would lead to winning a game, but they might come at the expense of teaching somebody a life lesson that's more important than winning a soccer game. Right. Like if you choose not to suspend one of them or something that's because exactly, you want to win a game or something. That's exactly right. Do I reward bad behavior for the sake of winning a game for my own ego? Yeah. Or do I, do I try to get them to understand what they did isn't acceptable, even if it costs us a championship, a trophy, a game, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. And so, uh, like I said, I, I love studying those two leaders because I think they provide an excellent sort of case study for that very large sort of contrast there between success and impact. I like that. That's good. Thanks. I'm a lot from you so far tonight. So, uh, do what? I'm learning a lot from you so far good. tonight. That's that's the goal. That's that's a history teacher's dream right there. Can we teach people <laughs> stuff? Yes. Good. Okay. My, my grandpa taught me a lot about history. That's why I, I just, I've gotten a lot of love for that. So yeah, it's um, awesome. Let, let me ask you one more question. And then I would mm -hmm. love for you to share how people can connect with you uh, after okay. this podcast. Uh, Vitamin Lead, our tagline is your healthy dose of leadership. And so I always like to ask people, uh, tell me, uh, how do you define healthy leadership? So the, the way that I define uh, leadership in my book is, is pretty simple. It goes like this. Uh, leadership is the art of positively influencing other people to help them become better versions of themselves. Hmm. Right? That's what leadership is. It's, it's using your influence in a good way 
to help improve other people, to help them become better than they were. It's all about them. That's what leadership is like to me. That's a good definition. Thanks. Thanks. Took me a while. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, but I, 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 I think I've seen both in my history studies and in, uh, you know, I've been very blessed with some of the people that I work with. I've seen amazing examples of servant leadership. I've seen amazing examples of selfless leadership. And so that's what I try to focus on because again, leadership is not a one size fits all thing. I'm sure your listeners know every leader is different. Every organization of any size is different. So what um, specifically works for me might not work for you. The principles ought to be at least similar, Sure. but the exact actions that I take that work for my family or my classroom or my team, they might not work for your business or they might work for your business, but not someone else's business. So it's an art more than it is a science, at least in my opinion. Is there, is there a leader that you would love to shout out right now that you think of when you think of a, a healthy leader? Uh, yeah, well, there's a couple that come to mind and unsurprisingly, they come from the sports world. Uh, okay. One of them was uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, the legendary manager of Manchester United soccer team in England. Okay. Um, he was just, I mean, he's phenomenal. Uh, the other one is Coach K at Duke basketball. I'm a huge Duke fan. Um, and Coach K is really the only coach I've ever known because I've been, a, you know, he became Duke's coach when I was a toddler and he's still there. Um, I've he's got a, he's my dad's favorite as well. He just, my dad just about. got to see Duke live for the first time in his life this weekend. So It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I was very blessed. I've been able to teach at Duke for a couple of summers with their TIP Institutes and uh, as a teaching assistant or doing different things. And when I was up there a couple of summers ago, I left Coach K. I wasn't able to meet him. He was off recruiting, but I met his secretary. I left him a copy of my book. Oh, cool. And again, I'm a nobody from Nowheresville. He doesn't know me from Adam, right? But he took the time. Like when I, when I left it, his secretary said, make sure you put your email address in there. He'll want to get in touch with you. And I thought, well, that's really nice of you to say. Right. She was completely serious. About a month later, I had an email from Coach K saying, hey, Joel, thanks for the book. Really appreciate it. You know, thanks for your support. That's and cool. It probably didn't take him 30 seconds, but he didn't have to take that 30 seconds. Like, yep. that was really awesome. Thanks a lot, Coach K. Thanks. You know, like that was pretty cool. That's a good story. I like that story. Yeah. I, I wish I could say that I met him and we hit it off and now he wants to hire me as an assistant coach, but I had to turn him down. Uh, but that would be a complete fabrication. So, well, good. What do you do? Honesty, the courage to be honest and humble, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's okay. Exactly so Joel, how can people connect with you after the podcast here? Uh, best way is um, either uh, my websites or social media. Um, okay. So I work a lot with leaders. You can find me at joelwhallbaker.com. Okay. You can find me at reallifeleading.com. You can also find my blended family work at stepdadding with an ing, stepdadding.com, right? Um, yeah. Find me on social media. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. It's all Joel W. Hallbaker. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put those links in the show notes so people can check it out and see that. Uh, but this has been a, a delight talking with you tonight, Joel. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, it's, it really has been my pleasure. Any, anytime I get a chance to, to chat leadership, history, soccer, that's, a, that's totally fun for me. So thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'd love to connect with some of your listeners. If I can answer questions, if you just want to chat, hook me up, you know, hit me up. Let's talk. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, hit them up leaders and uh, thank you for listening in and we will talk to you soon, Joel. Great. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.